So that first segment was titled, The Plumber Will Visit You in San Diego, and he'll be wearing his Temp and Toss bandage. And the second segment is the five-week news and review. Five-week recap of the news. This five-week recap begins with some good news. New Zealand, which is largely an island, or is an island, had closed itself off to the uh, to most of the world, and New Zealand recently announced 100 days successfully without any new cases of COVID. So that's some good news that we can start this off with. The island has been closed off to foreign traffic since the pandemic began and followed its own strict policies on contact tracing, and apparently life is back to normal now if you are a Kiwi or a New Zealander. Some nice news. Let's keep up with New Zealand throughout this recap. Government abductions. Certainly can't avoid the news of the last five weeks without discussing government abductions. Right before we left for a break, the government was occupying Portland and famously snatching up Portland protesters in unmarked black government vans. In terms of news, black vans matter. <laughs> if we see black vans, we should talk about them. This attack on Portland activists intensified, including Trump's rhetoric, indicating these patriotic actions of protest were intensely unpatriotic. It's unclear still what the abductions of protesters will lead to, including tracking them for the rest of their life through FBI or other departmental files that were likely initiated on the activists taken into custody. My sympathies to them, and welcome to the club. This got even weirder in July 29th when unlabeled New York City cops were videotaped copying the same Portland tactics protesting in New York involved suddenly being abducted off the streets in clear daylight by the cops. And this was a good moment for everybody having a video camera on them because there is footage of that. And I think that stopped it pretty abruptly. I don't think people have heard about New York cops doing this since then. And you know what? Don't let others tell you otherwise regarding Portland. Protest does work. July 29th, the government began to withdraw from Portland, easing those tensions. So protest might have escalated this, but protest also got the government out. So protest does work and keep going. It's good that people are going out on the streets to say something. But it's complicated because restraint is saying something too. And really, it seems like people are getting very bottled up right now and just sort of attacking their cities. There's been some tacky shit this month, like activists stomping through Restaurant Row in New York and demanding diners put up their fists in solidarity or be surrounded by yelling and confrontation. I would certainly put my fists up if somebody asked, but I can tell you right now, yelling at others isn't going to get you anywhere other than them resenting you. I see this as pent-up anger, and I do understand it, but if this is where you are in your mind right now, take it to Washington or find cities that can benefit from activism in the next 10 weeks to swing the vote and move there 
for the next 10 weeks. Funniest Trump moment to me, not that he's a laughing matter, but funniest Trump moment for me this, uh, this month was his conversation with NBC News about his energy. And I'll just let this run so you can hear what I'm talking about. Very, uh, very imposing. It'll be fixed, it'll be rigged. People ought to get smart. But when pressed by NBC News, President Trump refused to say what he's doing to help protect the integrity of the election. Why are you spending more energy to get the resources and the funding for the states that they want to be able to secure this election for all Americans? Peter, you know nothing about my energy, okay? What, you what know you nothing doing? about you, you know nothing about what I'm doing. What are you, you know, doing? Listen, you know nothing about what I do. Peter, you know nothing about my energy. Okay, you know nothing about what I'm doing. What are you, you know, doing? Listen, you know nothing about what I do. And the one thing I think about when I'm hearing this is I would hate to be married or in a relationship with Trump. I just, I feel such a sympathy or whatever you want to call it for anybody who's ever been in a relationship with him because he's, uh, this is clearly probably the way that he talks down anybody that matters to him. It's uh, funny though, too. I mean, just to hear his abusive ways and don't, don't fuck with his energy. Nobody, nobody's got this energy. Check it out. Check this man's energy out. And I guess talking about energy, pretty impressed with uh, President Obama's knockout jab of an insult on Trump's ability to grow into the role of president. He said bluntly, because he can't. This is one of the most uh, solid insults you could apply to Donald. I don't think he could even reply to it. Donald Trump hasn't grown into the job because he can't. And Trump uh, has nothing to say to that. That's an amazing insult. Historically, I think it's important to realize that presidents never talk shit about other presidents, especially when the other president is in office. And so it's without precedent, uh, or I guess without president, if you want to make a pun, but it's without precedent that Obama has taken on the role of critiquing Donald Trump negatively. This is something that is that never happened. Clinton never uh, complained about Bush, and Bush never complained about Obama. So the lead item for the last five weeks has to be President Obama's comment. In terms of other news items, here's some of the news that's happened since we last talked. Number one, the world had a coup. Coups are always really good stories, even during pandemics, and successful coups do not happen very often. And so I kind of think it's funny when a coup is a headline. Coups seem like old world stuff, but maybe we'll have a coup in America. But this month's coup goes to the military of Mali, who took over the government on August 19th. And this is actually the country's second coup in less than 10 years following the 2012 coup. So this is a coup of a coup. And it literally begs the question, or at least it literally begs the question to be asked, coup, do you think you are? 
We had a huge horrifying accident. This is terrible news. Uh, Lebanon literally exploded this month. There was a giant explosion in Beirut. I'm pretty sure you remember this one or you noticed it when it happened. It's horrible. Close to 200 dead and 6,000 injured. And I'm sure many of those injuries are really, really difficult to get through. And people at this point are still recovering from this and probably will be for the foreseeable future or maybe even their entire life. Maybe they'll be marked by this moment. My sympathies to everyone. Uh, the port of Beirut was damaged so much from this explosion that you can see missing Earth from a satellite view. And this was a bunch of neglected uh, aluminum nitrate that was left in a port. It was seized at customs and they just left, I think, like 4,000 pounds of this explosive nitrate. And it boomed. And the explosion is said to have been bigger than the world's largest non-atomic bomb, which is the Russian-made FOAB, which is nicknamed the father of all bombs. This was a larger explosion than that, but a smaller explosion than an atomic bomb, but possibly the largest non-atomic explosion we've ever had. And there's some conspiracy theories suggesting it was caused by a missile aimed at the building, but it's the going theory is that it's negligence. And so in terms of starting a world war, it's commendable that Trump speculated publicly on the day of the tragedy that the explosion was likely both a bomb and a terrorist attack. He just sort of asked about it. Is this maybe a bomb or a terrorist attack? And it's interesting to consider that previous to Trump, any other president of America suggesting such a thing would literally move the rest of the world in response. They would take that as a signal and the markets would drop or other countries would sort of tighten up in their uh, handling of issues out of a defensive sense. And in a show of Trump's weakening of America, this is something to consider in a re-election, that in a show of Trump's weakening of America in the eyes of the world, the rest of the world really look, took no reaction to his conspiracy theory that this giant explosion was a bomb or a terrorist act. And this is something to consider if you value the idea of America being taken seriously and having a role on the world stage. And this is just one flippant comment that the world is now ignoring Trump on. So it's just one example from this five-week review to discuss uh, <laughs> Trump's dumbing down and belittling of America, sort of undervaluing America in the rest of the world's eyes. So let's, let's go on to a couple more stories. Looking for a stress relief, here's a website I can recommend. There is a very nice website entitled Window Swap. And the URL is window-swap.com, windowswap.com. And what people do is they upload 10-minute videos of the view from their window in high resolution. And this website will give you a random window, and you can change a window view randomly by just clicking uh, show me another window as much as you'd like. And there's some amazing locations there from a mysterious and 
evocative Hong Kong window to something from Singapore or Canada or Ohio. If you're looking for another view other than the one in your house right now, windowswap.com slash window is pretty great. In terms of most interesting thing I learned this month, did you know that orange is originally called norange? The original word for orange as a color was N-O-R-A-N-G-E. And that's kind of interesting to me. I like that. So I'm now saying everything is norange instead of orange. Oranges, the fruit, are said to be named after the color orange. Like in a nice norange world. The orange came to Europe titled the Norange. And we dropped the N over time. You can look that stuff up. The president has a beautiful norange face. Look up noranges. And it's the most interesting story I decided to pay attention to over the last five weeks. Because what's the point of paying attention to the other news? It's so damn sad. Uh, I've got some fun stuff, though. Other color stories... Did you know about the miracle of the blue lobster? This is a happy story. Some good news to uh, to report. If you're looking for a COVID miracle, look no further than a red lobster restaurant in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio. An employee was unpacking a recent shipment of lobsters in late July this year when he identified what might have been a plastic blue toy or a decoy in the red cluster of invertebrate food. A blue lobster was identified in the shipment. And this is a miracle. Blue lobsters are extremely rare. Approximately one lobster in two million will be born blue. And it's according to a genetic anomaly. They are a radiant blue, science says. They are a radiant blue, by the way. A blue lobster is very blue. Kind of looks like he took a dip in a bunch of uh, Bic ballpoint pen ink. As opposed to that tacky orange red that you see on more common red lobsters. The blue lobster was not served to a customer. That would only happen at a place named Blue Lobster. A manager at the Red Lobster actually called the Akron Zoo and the very rare blue lobster is now being prepared to be on display. And the actual odds on catching a blue lobster in the wild are 1 in 200 million. And we are actually pretty unkind to a lobster's lifetime. Catching them and eating them as soon as we can, which cuts their lifespan short. A lobster unharvested or hunted by humans can live up to 100 years, blue or red. Don't know about orange or norange lobsters or green ones. I think those ones can live three to 400 years. In funny death news, Herman Cain died this month. No death is funny, but Herman Cain's death is funny. Or at least it's a case of karmic uh, consequence or just, uh, I guess, shit catching up with you. Herman Cain is a famous 
idiot. And he ran for president last time and lost. And the dumbest thing about Herman Cain was his challenge to others in terms of rational sense. And the damage that he caused to people who followed him as a leader. It's very possible that Herman Cain died with blood on his hands already from people who died from COVID deaths because he was one of the more outspoken denouncers of safety and famously attended the Tulsa rally where other people probably died and Herman Cain died of COVID. This is uh, funny, particularly because one of his last tweets was masks will not be mandatory for the Tulsa event which he said people are fed up in all caps so this was referring to the Tulsa Trump rally which COVID and Herman Cain both attended and which uh, Herman Cain contracted COVID so Herman Cain died fed up from keeping him from dying from COVID his cause of death was COVID <laughs> it's not it's not nice to, to to laugh at people dying from covid and i'm not laughing at somebody dying from covid i'm laughing at somebody mocking covid and mocking covid in a way that damages public conversation and kills others and dying from it i mean it's just uh it's <laughs> Dude, nobody's trying to fucking sit on your hands here by saying uh, wear a mask or don't congregate around people. We're not trying to challenge you individually. This is the most narcissistic, selfish, stupid perspective that people are always trying to get in your fucking way. People were trying to save Herman Cain's life, and he became a spokesperson for dying, literally. And so I hope that people are continuing to reference Herman Cain as a champion of their freedom now that he's dead. It's just too funny. It's my, uh, I remember thinking, oh my God, that's rich as it gets. So Herman Cain died. Other hypocrite, Texas uh, Representative Gomert. I don't know if you've ever followed any of his career, but it's a fascinating one. And he was an anti-mask advocate. And Louis Gohmert got uh, got COVID this month too. He is not yet dead, but I will update this story when he is. Um, if if uh, COVID doesn't kill Gohmert, I'm sure life uh, will catch up with him in some other way. Uh, his brain has been dead for at least uh, three or four decades. He's one of the more involuntary organisms. I, it's hard to even realize where uh, words come from in Louis Gohmert's mind because there's no actual brain-to-mouth connection. But it does look like there is nose-to-lung uh, to, uh, connection because Gohmert has COVID. So uh, girls, uh, shut your kissing booths off. If Louis Gohmert comes up, no matter how much money he's holding out there for one of those uh, good old smooches, Gohmert has uh, COVID cooties. No kisses for Louis Gohmert, representative of Texas. Gohmert, of course, is one of the more famous anti-mask advocates. Just adding this to the irony file of COVID-19. Funniest sex scandal of the last month is one that belongs more in 1990s 
Clinton news era type story. But the Jerry Falwell Jr. Instagram post is very amusing from sort of a OJ trial era Monica Lewinsky type news reel, kind of when uh, Gingrich used to run the Republican Party. Jerry Falwell posted a photo of him and the nanny for the family, seemingly drunk, and uh, his pants were unzipped to match her pants being unzipped, and he was holding a bottle of uh, very dark liquid, either tar or something. And he later removed the photo and then said it was just a joke to show some sympathy to the nanny who was pregnant and I guess physically uncomfortable. And so that was the source of her shorts being unzipped was to accommodate a baby belly. And instead, uh, Jerry did not have a baby belly. He just had gray underwear. So that's what we got to see with his pants unzipped. In the same photo. This started a lot of bad things for Jerry Falwell, including having to resign from Liberty University, his fake school, which somehow became accredited in the last 10 years. I'm not sure how that happened, but that's sort of a televangelist university or an evangelical one. And then it came out that he was actually uh, being a cuckold to his wife watching her have sex with a pool boy or a maitre d' or some attendant at a spa. So that story is still evolving, but uh, if people have ever wondered, hey, what was it like living in the 90s? This is the kind of news story you would get every day. So this was the Clinton era news. Uh, A lot of times they would deal with one kind of a Falwell family member or a Billy Graham guy. Uh, This was still during the evangelical pop culture movement. And so this was sort of a blast from the past to see Jerry Falwell show up in the news. And the photo is pretty good, and the story about the extramarital affair is uh, certainly good tabloid fodder. Uh, Jerry Falwell got a lot of attention this month, so good job, uh, Jerry. And uh, I hope you recover well from uh, the current issue that you're going through with you and your wife. Or I hope you and the pool boy can get back together. I don't know. Current COVID statistics. I won't bum you out by talking about July spikes or anything like that. I'll just give you a current number. Uh, Going into September, we have about 850,000 deaths globally. So to consider that, we are near to a million people having died from this. And that's 5% of pretty much anyone who has been tested positive and accordingly about 18 and a half million cases that have uh, required some treatment across the uh, the entire world too so we're getting into world war levels of death here we're approaching a million deaths which made the rnc laughable for them talking about it in the past tense what is up with that guy Currently, as of today, at 180,000 deaths, COVID is currently the third worst killer in the U.S. Of course, it didn't exist a year ago. The leading cause of death is heart disease at about 650,000 people. Number two is cancer at about 600,000. 
Then there's COVID at 180,000 deaths. And just to give that perspective, right below it are accidents or unintentional injuries at 170,000. So think about that. COVID is killing more people than accidents right now. And we are a very clumsy country. <laughs> Trump might like to talk about law and order and the death in the streets, but COVID is much more of a menace. Uh, the actual number of homicides annually across the country are only about 20,000. <laughs> so murder is getting killed by COVID right now, just in terms of the death race. And you really want to say, okay, well then we need to, a lot of that happens to be the leadership. They're giving a lot of mixed messages and I think we're a lot, a lot worse off. So we're in an election year and let's talk about the two conventions that happened this month. The Democratic National Convention and the, I think it was the Republican National Convention, but it kind of felt like an infomercial for stakes. The Trump D's Nuts National Convention. Received an email from the Trump campaign this month offering a signed photo for a contribution. For a contribution to his re-election. And this offer delights me. It adds to the caricature of the president as a vain idiot, tweeting and signing photographs all day. It's pretty funny vanity, you know. Thank you for the leadership and the photo. Trump's signature has always kind of fascinated me. It's one of the few things about him that are that's distinctive in a peculiar way, as opposed to just sort of like a hardened asshole way. But he has a weird signature, so now he's selling that on a photo. And it ended up also getting a little tackier. I later received an email from the GOP asking for a contribution, and this time with a catch better than a signed photo. If I sent money before August 24th, you would see my name, along with everybody else that sent in some money, on a televised ticker showing a roll of names during the RNC going on the bottom of the screen, uh, flashing uh, left to right with the amount of money that they'd put in and their name and state and city. And I, you know, I mean, I just see this as like Terry Southern level satire that we're living in. Terry Southern did Dr. Strangelove with uh, Stanley Kubrick. The ticker tape. It's amazing. Uh, of course, uh, this sort of money ruse is an uh, old hat for Republicans. And it made one notable arrest uh, for this month very satisfying. Steve Bannon getting arrested for fraud is very satisfying. And Bannon had been working with other criminals to skim off money off a fund that they'd established to pay for the border wall or parts of the border wall. You could adopt a plank, I guess, a plank of the wall for about $15,000 or something. And all the money collected was said to have been promised for the wall. But it turns out the Bannon and others involved were taking their own cut. And uh, that is fraud. And none of these people building the wall really care about the wall. That's what I like about this sort of story is a reminder of that. And apparently with Bannon, there is a pretty solid paper trail. And 
So Trump can still issue a pardon because who even notices when he pardons people anymore? You'd think that alone would be reason to boot him out of being president. Like uh, Roger Stone's uh, pardon last month just went completely forgiven <laughs> in the world of commentary. Uh, but the legal word on the street is that the Steve Bannon case includes fake invoices that were printed and sent. And so there is legitimate money trail there amounting to close to $25 million in fraud. And that the estimate right now is that Bannon could be going to jail for, quote, many, many years if convicted. So that wouldn't be too bad. That'd be kind of fun. We, uh... Weren't able to put Roger Stone in uh, jail, but we might be able to get Steve Bannon. So let's see how that story develops. I have an unfortunate update on New Zealand. Two days after New Zealand had achieved its 100 days without a COVID case, they had to announce globally or publicly that they had contracted two new cases. And they're not sure how those two cases got into New Zealand. They're going to find out going to try and manage this the way they did but presently they're uh they will not be able to make a sign that says 103 days without a covid case they're uh now currently managing two new cases so that's unfortunate we'll keep up with the new zealand case throughout this five-week update in in other news donald trump's uh brother fred died Ah, oh, bummer. But Trump said he, he, uh, Fred was his best friend, and so this really sucks. Too bad uh, Trump has made me hardened to caring about other people. Otherwise, I'd uh, give him some condolences. But hey, Fred, you're dead. And edit, uh, got the name wrong. Trump's brother is named Robert, who died. Rob, Robert's dead. Bob's dead. Yeah, it's Fred is his dad. His dad's dead, too. In dead news that I care about, sad to tell everybody, if you didn't already know, that Wilford Brimley died. He died on August 2nd. And I love that guy. Wilford Brimley had a big effect on me growing up. I was watching him on TV. Loved him in Cocoon. And I will never not think of him whenever I have oatmeal particularly the Quaker Oats uh, round round uh, container there. So rest in peace, Wilford Brimley. And I want to add also about the Jerry Falwell Jr. bit. I mentioned that this was the, uh, the, only kinds of, the only kind of news story that you'd have in the 90s, but one thing I didn't point out is that it would also be the only news story for about seven months. There would be no other news, just something similar to the Jerry Falwell sex case Jr. Sex scam, and so it was a heavily moral period that was fixated on talking about one scandal by itself for seven months. And so Jerry Falwell Jr. might have think and might have thought that he had a tough August, but if this had happened to him in the '90s, we'd still be talking about it 24 hours for six to seven months. Types of news that we didn't really address: uh, Men's Warehouse went bankrupt this month. I know they'd already sort of started to collapse and got rid of the weird guy that used to talk about the suits. But that's, uh, that's odd. I like Men's Warehouse. 
So the two national conventions happened, the Republican and the Democratic. And in terms of the two conventions, I would say that both had their flaws. DNC was pretty good, uh, but I doubt it communicated much outside that, that aren't already agreeing with its platform, which I suppose the DNC platform is survival and the respect for living creatures. It was good intentions, and uh, I think it had a solid message of sanity, and I liked Biden's speech. In terms of the RNC, I think the overall consensus with anyone watching is that it was disturbingly weird. Even if you were a Republican, I bet you would have to agree that it was disturbingly weird. Uh, right down to night one being the night of the China virus. That's the most racist, incredible thing. Uh, that he just keeps on pushing that. I can't imagine being a Chinese Republican right now and giving that guy your vote. If those are your parents, please talk to them about that. If if I was, if Israel had given everyone coronavirus and he was calling it the Jew virus, or the, even the Israel virus, but let's say he would probably call it the Jewish virus or the Jew virus, Jew virus, I probably would feel a little offended and not vote for Donald Trump. So... I am fairly confident there is a large Chinese population in America. I hope none of you are voting for this guy who is literally calling it, who is, you know, buckling down to call it the China virus. It's very weird shit. I should say that I've watched or attended every RNC and DNC since I could vote. and. This RNC was insane. It had no connection to the previous ones. You know, uh, everything felt like it was like a cosplay or something or a Game of Thrones speeches. And, you know, I mean, I felt like I was uh, at a Renaissance festival watching people do uh, weird decrees and screaming before they jousted, you know. The use of the White House as a location was also insulting. And the optics were terrible, uh, historically embarrassing, complete with a Trump billboard, two of them outside the White House, and fireworks in front of the Washington Monument, which was disgusting. And that said, there was some very funny moments like Don Jr.'s tearful, cocaine-dripping nasal speech. That was insane. I don't know if you've ever been around people doing cocaine, but... You could, it would, man, Don, Donald Jr. had done like 18 lines or he was bumping like a fool right there. And then his girl, his girlfriend, Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle's scream is something for the record books. I'm glad that we all have a recording of that. That was like watching a serpent uh, reveal their face on, on TV. Those two people are dating. And the RNC is just, uh, just running around like a bunch of headless chickens. I mean, what they will allow... The person who actually wins them into the White House, what they will permit that person to do and behave and say is this is is so sad, you know, and they just gave him like a mini series of the week for the RNC. They gave the strangest episode of Trump goes to McDonald's for three or four nights. That RNC was insane. It horrifies me that the votes might not be there to kick Trump out, too. I'm very scared about that, or that the votes don't even matter. You know, I'm probably subconsciously holding in some deep fear 
that we're going to get four more years of this guy and just also trying to anticipate that you know this is what happens when you're under abuse you just sort of anticipate it to protect yourself but if not if we can get him out of here i will be so happy november whatever because the votes won't be totally counted by november 3rd being that there will be absentee and mail-in and a bunch of other stuff This just in, uh, New Zealand now announces eight known cases as of August 11th. Sorry about this, went from zero to three to eight, and we will keep up with New Zealand as uh, this story proceeds through the, uh, or progresses through our show, our recap. Oh, God. Just messing with stuff. Messing with stuff. Messing with, messing with cables. We have a uh, vice president pick for uh, the Democratic, uh, Democratic Party. Uh, that happened this month, and it's Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris. I am. I was pleased with this. I think she's a pretty good selection. She's a solid ticket. And I think that they'll do well, Biden and Harris. The reaction from Trump's family was disgusting, but what can you expect? Uh, However, can you imagine this coming from Obama's daughters? Um, First, uh, Eric Trump made news for liking a tweet calling uh, Kamala Harris a whore. And that took two days from her being the party's uh, VP candidate. Trump himself followed up his son by calling Harris nasty. And we all know exactly what that means, nasty woman. And I'm sure this will evolve. But let's see how long it takes for her to get into bitch territory. But I'm sure you'll start hearing that. Uh, The Hillary uh, is a bitch stuff is something that you'll hear all over camera footage from uh, when Trump ran uh, for his first term. The actual tweet that Eric Trump liked referred to Harris as horrendous, W-H-O-R-E-N-D-O-U-S, horrendous. And so Harris was selected as VP on August 11th. So it makes sense that by August 13th, Trump would initiate a birther conspiracy against her for not being born in this country, even though she was born in Oakland, California. And there's actually a video or a photo of her being a born baby. But this is so this is the same old shit that he did with Obama and Oakland, California is certainly not Hawaii. So why does this only stick with black candidates? You know, it's a very ugly brain that Trump has. And this non-citizenship bullshit is as ugly as it gets because even though it's implied that it's that somebody was born in another country, what it's really being said there with somebody who's black is that you are not a real citizen. You're, you're a black citizen. And so that's what this whole birther stuff always sort of side glances or says. And yet Trump will say, and I quote, no one treats the blacks as well as he does. That's a quote. No one is as non-racist as him. That's another quote. So I was impressed with the birther stuffs coming back 
It, it doesn't seem to be sticking, though. That's one thing I like about Harris, is that she has a uh, sturdiness to her. I, I think um, think she is going to be a really good candidate for, uh, for the next ten weeks, let's hope. And hopefully for the next four years following that. Funniest news about the two conventions, I thought, was Trump's uh, value on being on accuracy <laughs> and not lying or uh, being accurate about a number. Um, so, in the wake of Obama's uh, blunt warning on what a second term for Donald Trump would mean to the country, this was Michelle Obama's speech. Uh, Trump came back attacking her uh, Democratic National Convention speech and he said, well, she's in over her head. And frankly, she should have made the speech live, he said. Uh, and then he, he thought he had a really good buzzer here, he said. Michelle Obama taped it. And it was not only taped, it was taped a long time ago. And here's why he said, he said, because Michelle Obama had the wrong deaths. And he pointed out that she had mentioned 150,000 Americans had died in her speech, when in fact, on the night that she spoke, over 170,000 people are dead. That's what he said. So I think that's a very funny that Trump would, would point that one. I mean, he has lied so many times. I think there's like something like 27,000 lies that he's said this year or since he's been in office who can keep track. But that he's trying to not, she's not lying, she's just not up to date with how many people have died. And he really wants to clarify, in your face, Michelle Obama, 150,000 people have not died. It's 170,000, says Trump. Well, Trump, as I'm talking right now, it's approaching 190,000 people. So I hope that you're up to date the next time you talk, you murderous little sack of shit. So I know we're not really keeping up with things that Trump could get uh, impeached for because we need another impeachment trial. There's no uh, there's no law saying that once you've gone through an impeachment trial that if you continue to do weird, illegal stuff, you can't be impeached for new things. He certainly can. And this actual act of running for president right now Trump has been uh, flagrantly mis uh, breaking the law by breaking the Hatch Act and so one way that you saw that was live on TV when Trump accepted his nomination on the White House lawn and Trump actually suggested doing this on August 5th and he had a lot of time to reconsider doing this this was a couple weeks before the RNC and a lot of people said hold on you know not only is that tacky as shit but that's also illegal and so he had to be told this was illegal it, it is illegal according to the hatch act for the use of the white house to be used for personal use which is what running for re-election is no matter how much you think otherwise and while the hatch act does protect the president and the vice president it doesn't protect anyone else and so it basically it's in violation of the hatch act to um, it prohibits civil service employees uh, in the executive branch of the federal government except for the president and vice president from engaging in some forms of political activity 
on government property. And that would include, include White House staff from preparing the property for such a thing or any of his aides from helping out in this event on the White House. Uh, Trump didn't give a shit because, to paraphrase Obama, he can't. But he did continue to misuse the White House. He's, as we told you, his uh, brother uh, Fred is dead. And he also had a memorial there this month. I don't know if you know about this one. But Trump held a funeral for his brother, including the dead body, in the, uh, in, on, on the property on the White House. And the last time this happened was for JFK in 1963. So this isn't terribly illegal. It's just extremely uncommon and tacky. And misuse of uh, the White House for a brother's funeral can be perceived as just this insulting, uh, not, not really being a public servant there. And it's in fact very, but it does have some precedent. Few presidents have had funerals for close friends and family, which would include probably what uh, the president's brother would qualify as being. But but for this century, uh, it's really just been dead presidents. That, you know, I think um, the last time that it was used for family was FDR. And uh, we all know that FDR is a smidgen, smidgen better than, uh, than Trump. So I'll give FDR the, but it, but you could argue, well, they've done it before, but it's still, my gosh, Trump just tries to find every, every place he can push. Can I get away with that? Can I get away with this? What about that? Can I push this? Can I pull that? You know, Fred's dead. Let's, uh, drop him in the, uh, let's bring him into the East room. And again, I know he's the brother that died is Robert. But who gives a shit? He also had a brother named Fred who died. And a dad who's dad named Fred. In terms of in terms of memorials that happened over uh, this month on July 30th, there was a large memorial for Congressman John Lewis, who is obviously a hero of this century and who passed away on July 17th. John Lewis deserved the White House for a funeral, if you ask me. And on August 20th, I hate the report, New Zealand has now reported that their COVID number is now at 30. They now report that number was at zero, and it is now at 30. In terms of anxieties that I had that appeared this month before (laughs) that I haven't had, uh, certainly uh, wasn't even thinking about the post office being completely hacked into by a bunch of corporate gremlins to uh, rig the vote for Trump. But that's uh, the main story. The main worrying story this month has really been Trump openly talking about stealing the election. And he did this last time, the sort of uh, pro- forecasting when he would say, you know, like, hey, you know, the election is going to be rigged by the Electoral College. If you remember, he used to talk about that, suggesting that Hillary Clinton would. And then when he won the Electoral College, he openly leaned heavily on the results of the Electoral College, saying that they were completely, honestly pure. And so I expect this to happen with the male vote. I don't mean the female in the male vote. I mean male by voting, uh, voting by mail. And I worry that he's going to affect the mail-in vote or even the in-person vote. 
and I'm mentally preparing for this if it happens. And one way that he likes to gaslight is he would basically say this is going to be rigged. And then if it just comes in that there's more mailed in votes for Trump or however you want to view it, he's just going to be, well, the people have spoken. So I'm weary. I'm wary about this. And of course, this is the big story over the over the month, although there's all stories that are a big story. But this is one of the bigger ones. Trump, uh, Trump's newly installed postmaster general tore through the postal system this summer. He literally removed mailboxes and sorting machines. And the postmaster general announced that he would transform the UPS or the USPS from a service into a business. And that's ridiculous because it is a service, dude. It is a fucking service. It's a service like water. It's a service like any other huge part of government as a service and if it needs more money it needs more fucking money you know i mean there can be skimming or fraud or people misusing some money but the usps really needs to just be however much they ask they should get and i mean that not in a just give it to them i mean it's just it's a service you know i mean uh it can be evaluated for certain things but profit is certainly not one of them and uh yeah it just that's a bummer why is funding even an issue with the mail if we need more money it means that we're using the mail more often the service is being used oh my golly so the idea that it needs more money to function is ridiculous it should require as much money as it takes to do its job mail is a service and there's a lot of news stories that sort of talked this month about it getting worse and worse. Thankfully, there were a lot of whistleblowers or just open, you know, a lot of mail carriers lost their overtime or lost uh, access to equipment that made their job easier or efficient or or possible. You know, Uh, I think about all the things that go into mailing stuff and how easy tracking is and other sorts of conveniences. I have a post box that I love and I can check the mail online you know, to see if there's any mail in the post box. That's a lot of infrastructure to maintain services like that. And so a lot of postal workers made the alarm that things were going weird from uh, mail sorting machines being removed in processing facilities, um, a bunch of blue mailboxes being just uh, dumped in, uh, yanked out of the ground. I don't know if you ever noticed how bolted into the ground those things are, but they uh, were removed. Those giant screws uh, were removed from the uh, the cement, and they were just uh, those uh, lock boxes were taken. I mean, it's easy to lock one of those boxes up and just say that they're no longer being used. They were removed. Very crazy. Very crazy Soviet seeming uh stuff soviet in like the menace way the uh communism fear stuff uh at the same time trump announced uh, trump announced uh this month that he was in favor of defend of defunding the usps because uh trump said he opposed uh funding them because mail-in voting would uh be so uh so terrible he would say and so they needed much needed funding um to sort of set up for this requirement to be a service and Trump uh, openly said he wasn't going to do it. Very sad stuff. But, you know, I mean, this was another example that protest works because a lot of people took to protesting outside the postmaster general's home 
and good job guys uh eventually he came he uh came out and he wanted to assure all americans that retail hours of the post office would not change that mail processing equipment and blue collection boxes would remain where they are and that no mail processing facilities would be closed and that overtime would be restored but he didn't the postmaster general said put back any of the sorting facilities that he'd already removed so that's still crazy that's still bizarre stuff and so we still we have to keep pressing as hard as we can i think as a people so that this hacking of the usps doesn't happen in the dark now so we got to see what would be happening in the in the in the light of day and all i can say is i'm glad so many actual humans work for the post office so if something really strange does happen there will be a lot of people that witness it so hopefully you know for example if there's a room full of ballots you know that are that never go out or maybe they never arrive so absence can be something that a post office employee sees i didn't see a lot of ballots coming through the mail that sort of thing so it'll be good to believe all postal workers over the next few months if they see something and they say something which is what we've been asked to do since 911 if you see something say something so do that with mail some local news i'm always willing to talk about the texas governor greg abbott being an asshole and he did a great job of being one this uh, this month Again, this is something new. Uh, the Austin City Council decided to defund their police of about a third of their budget, which is about $150 million. And they didn't just take the money and not use it. They just reapplied it to the same services, but it would not go through the police to, uh, to maintain. So I think some of this, as an example, is like 911 calls or something like that would go through a separate service instead of the police. And it was a responsible way to defund the cops. Um, and it was a good moment for Austin. And then Greg Abbott, the governor, uh, who just, I mean, you fucking live in, in Austin, man. And you are always attacking Austin. We don't like you either, but I don't understand why you have to be so insecure and bizarre. He announced just days after this that any city, and he says any city, but he's clearly talking about Austin, but any city that defunds the police, their police department, will have their property tax rates frozen forever, he said. And I don't even know how a government, how a governor can declare anything forever, you know, but what a dick move. You know, I mean, Austin is trying itself to figure itself out. And yeah, cops have almost half a billion dollars a year in uh, tax, tax pay, taxpayer money. We want to drop that down to 300 million because uh, they've been shooting us, their citizens or something else. You know, I mean, uh, that Abbott would, would step in like that makes him the doofus of the month. Perpetual asshole. I don't mean to be uh, calling so many people assholes. I guess I'm in the asshole update of this. But that's what Abbott did this month, is he is hoping to freeze the ability for Texas to gain revenue from uh, property tax. Property tax is, by the way, a very broken system compared to, uh, to income tax. Property tax affects you forever for as long as you're living in this, in this state. 
I could stop making income and have a home that would be protected under lower property taxes versus, you know, versus paying income tax. That's one of the reasons why a lot of business comes to uh, Texas. But basically, basing all your tax on property instead of income is a very unfair thing for people poorer than, you know, wealthy. <laughs> anyway, fuck off, uh, Greg Abbott. All right. Just realizing I've been doing about an hour of uh, recap news, and I got a list here. I'm just going to go through the rest kind of quick because uh, I've been appreciating your company, but I can't keep you uh, keep you around all day. Uh, around the end of July, uh, Trump has started to casually ask if uh, the election can be delayed. That's something we might worry about. And fortunately, the uh, Senate even uh, grew a pair in this day. Uh, Mitch McConnell said that that's not going to happen. So we found Mitch McConnell's limit this week or this month. Trump asking if we can just sort of delay the election. But the census did stop a month early this month. Uh, their reason is saying for COVID and they've stopped doing door knocking. But uh, the census is very important to people at risk or the undercounted, uh, or minorities, or whatever you want to call it. And so it might not be good for people in need to have the census have, sto have stopped a month before everyone can be counted. And so that's kind of a bummer that that happened. Funny uh, idea um, suggested by the White House this month was uh, we don't need mail-in voting, we can do curbside voting. And uh, they thought that's a good idea. They floated that as an idea. As an idea, and it lasted about a uh, day before everyone uh, didn't want to talk about it. And uh, my best comparison to that is what about getting a COVID test in your car? You know, the average wait for a COVID test right now in your car is two to four hours. And that's not everybody voting. Um, and it can get hot in a car. Reminder about this news. This is hot news. So I got one hot statistic. Death Valley, California did, in fact, uh, reach a great landmark this month on August 16th. They reached 130 degrees, 130 degrees, reaching the hottest temperature possibly ever recorded on Earth. And this is the hottest temperature recorded since July 10th, 1913, when Death Valley, California, the same location, set the original scorching record of 134 degrees. And with these... 100-year-old thermo, uh, you know, temperature readings. I always wonder if just like the instruments were not as accurate, because it always seems like the coldest and hottest was like 100 or so years ago. But in recent hot news, 130 degrees, Death Valley, California, August 16th. And I think about both of these things with the idea of curbside voting in my car, and that the government is scared of mail. And it has me uh, feeling like I should do a uh, forehead check, right? I haven't done a forehead check in an hour. Let's uh, let's see. Uh, yep. You know, I didn't even notice it on my forehead anymore. It's that comfortable, the temp and toss. Uh, yep. Green dot. Still 98. Even through all this hot, hot news. Still 98. Good and green. Let's just run through everything here. Uh, here's an ugly thing that Trump did. Um, if you are an unemployed person right now, you might have benefited from his $400 executive relief uh, bill for unemployment. I'm not sure if you've gotten those checks yet, 
But here's the, the funny thing about how he got away with that is that he waived Social Security and other revenue tax for one month in for about $100 of it. And that's uh, up to states now to cover. And both of these things are a nice gesture. Uh, they're peculiar too, but they're not without con- um, congressional approval. And what's funny about the way that Trump went about it is that taxpayers will be forced to pay the taxes that were waived in 2021. So this will be a promise from Trump. This is almost like a vote for me and I'll waive it. But if Trump gets voted out in 2021, people who voted for Biden are going to have to deal with this uh, possible tax uh, repayment that came from Trump's uh, weird $400 relief gesture. So you can look that up to see if you're going to owe any taxes because of uh, this in 2021. So that's just, I mean, I thought we hired a businessman. That was the thing with hiring uh, Trump for the job. But that is just incompetent. We had some gunfire outside the White House this month. And uh, that was actually happening during Trump's daily COVID disinformation briefing. And that had to be cut short as the Secret Service took uh, Trump out of the press room for the day. And this followed actually Remington Firearms. They filed for bankruptcy in July, July 28th. This is actually the second time that Remington uh, Firearms has uh, filed for bankruptcy. They did that first in 2018. I've always sort of wondered, you know, like, yeah, well, I mean, I guess we have enough guns then, right? I mean, if Remington Firearms is uh, running out of rifles to sell, I think America has enough guns. I don't think we need to keep Remington Firearms around. Just the idea of trading guns back and forth, I'm sure we have enough guns. They're pretty easy to maintain. They're not electronic, you know, they're uh, mechanical things with explosives in them. Anyway, Remington Firearms, I'm sorry that people... Uh, just don't want to own a 19th rifle. Yeah, there was an interesting CDC term that I heard from Dr. Redfield, who is uh, a nice sort of. If you look him up, he's he looks like a uh, kind version of Dick Cheney, uh, but he's a very good guy uh, according to the way that he's been trying to help people. And he was talking about that even if we get a vaccine for COVID, there is a a lot of data that suggests that most of America or a number of Americans will not get the vaccine due to our fear of vaccines right now. And so he introduced two terms that I thought was interesting. He wants us, he wants us to uh, put an ease in terms of public information to ease in a, um, a lessening of vaccine hesitancy is what he called it. And that he wanted... Um, us to be able to vaccine with confidence. That's what he stated. Uh, due to fear or misinformation. And the, by the way, the funniest phrase I heard to discount Trump's advice wasn't from Dr. Redfield, but it was uh, referring to Trump's advice as like taking Clorox chewables. Very funny term, Clorox chewables. And <clears throat> this just in. New Zealand has uh, it's up to 24, 24 cases of COVID. Sorry to say this. In terms of America, though, we keep on uh, really pushing how many people can get infected uh, by COVID. 
and uh, New Zealand might be dealing with its uh, resurgence now of close to 25 or 30 people. But there was a giant gathering of 250,000 bikers in Sturgis, South Dakota on the weekend of August 9th. And so uh, right this week, we should start to really see how many cases that is. Uh, just to see how much time the super spreader distribution, um, just to see uh, this the super spreader of COVID, just how much distribution of COVID it'll do uh, globally, um, or at least nationally. Prior to this, I'd think that Sturgis, South Dakota was one of the safest places. You know, I don't think South Dakota has had uh, really a lot of cases, so I'm glad the 250,000 bikers came in, stayed for 10 days. Um, pretty much every video shows uh, them doing exactly what you'd expect at a biker rally in terms of uh, social distancing. <laughs> hey, hey, Bob, put the table down and, uh, you know, and all, you know, and uh, put on a mask and uh, give me six feet. Anyway, so that, that happened on August 9th, and so the first week of October, uh, or I mean the first week of September, which we're about to enter into, uh, should really show how many of those 250,000 turn into something else. Funniest moment, of course, uh, if you're in Colorado, you have a third-party option. Uh, Kanye West will appear on your Colorado ballot in November, and he successfully earned a spot on the ballot on August 6th. So I'm sure if you are in Denver, you've been making a lot of Conway joke, uh, Conway, uh, Conway 2020 jokes. McDonald's had a sex scandal with the CEO, apparently hid sexual relationships with other McDonald's employees. Man, but a uh, good guy alert, uh, not the McDonald's CEO. John Rezig of the Chive website, um, who he, for a uh, morning, uh, wrote rent checks for anybody on the Chive that was experiencing a rent crisis. And he was expecting to write rent checks for about 200 people, ended up writing about 800 uh, life-saving checks that morning. So very, very good job, John Rezig. That was a nice gesture. That was on August 18th. Very, uh, very clearly, the best article of the five weeks that I read, by the way, is from Rolling Stone. And you've probably had somebody send you this article to read. And if not, let me be the person to say this to you. Read this and look up The Unraveling of America by Wade Davis. And this is a fantastic piece of writing. I am in awe of how well Wade Davis can write. I don't know if other people really helped out with the editing or what, but it is sharp. And pretty much everything is clear in this piece. It's not a rant in any way. Look up The Unraveling of America by Wade Davis. And there's a lot of statistics in that. And my favorite was the three richest Americans have more money than the poorest 160 million of their countrymen so something to think about and a small glimmer of good news uh the house uh is set to vote on marijuana legislation uh, legalization let me say that again the house of representatives is set to vote on marijuana legalization this month and yeah, nothing's going to happen 
but it's uh, it clearly needs to get through the Senate. It won't. But just in terms of uh, knocking on that door constantly, this is an, this has been an amazing 10 or 15 years for pot, which used to be a great way for the police to harass and detain you would be uh, and for a long time like john sinclair i think was up for 25 years for one joint in the 60s so the fact that the house is right now just talking about marijuana legalization is amazing it would still go to every state and i'm in texas so i probably will never get it but uh it's good let's uh let's see a final temp and toss check i am green once again i've been 98 this whole night 98 this whole time so excellent for me and we've gotten to the news. Um, first, we must end tonight's report with New Zealand's final current COVID case count going into September. It's presently at 122 cases. My sympathies to New Zealand. And that's a lot of news over the last... That's just five weeks, and I missed a lot of things. I actually cut a lot of stuff out. A lot of local news. A lot of weird gun news. Um... Let's see. Yeah, we had a shooting, a couple shootings on the street. Uh, local news inve- uh, interviewed an American Nazi from Seattle. That was hilariously weird. Um, some Trump stuff. Trump stuff. Um, uh, they, uh, the Twitter attack was kind of fun. There was a 17-year-old in Florida who got charged with masterminding, they said, the Twitter attack. But that was actually uh, social engineering is pretty entertaining um yeah i won't go down my list i just got a bunch of weird uh weird news you can read the news anyway that's my five week recap for news uh finally for sides a and b this week i have a story and uh it's called the recovery of charlie pickle i'm uh playing i've i'm going to be serializing that throughout this show for the next few weeks or months probably on and off but with some determination. This is a book that I'd been writing for about 15 years. And it's, uh, when you make comics, when you make comic books, I made a couple comic books for a couple years, some good ones. And it's not uncommon to have a comic book character that you bond with and include in a lot of stories. And my last comic book character, uh, which, I'll probably, which will probably be the last one that I ever draw, is named Charlie Pickle. Before that, I had a character named Teddy, and then I had a uh, dog and an elephant, uh, Frank and Eleanor pair, and I've had other ones. But Charlie Pickle was my last comic book character, and I've often written Charlie Pickle stories with the intent to draw them, but the right format for them, really, I've figured out recently, is in sound. And so I've been looking forward to sharing uh, the Charlie Pickle stories with you. And if you followed the show on RSS over the last month, you got a preview of the story with the two postcards that I sent out. The first one was called Welcome to Clarence, Texas. And the second one was called Do We Exist? And I'll include them here in the playlist. And if you don't see them, uh, just look for audio postcards one and two in whatever podcast tool you use to follow spoken word with electronics talk with you next week and get your vote out please and if you enjoy the show tell others about the show i appreciate it thank you and happy noise making
We end uh, tonight's report with New Zealand's current COVID account, (laughs) current COVID case account. It's now at 123 cases. Sorry, New Zealand. Here now to conclude the show for this week is sides A and B from the recovery of Charlie Pickle. It's welcome to Clarence, Texas, and do we exist? <laughs>